This is the Punk and Piledrivers Podcast with your host, Big Bad Boris. Welcome to the latest episode of the Punk and Piledrivers Podcast here on the Love Wrestling Podcast Network. My name is Big Bad Boris and I'm joined by somebody who's kind of a a jack-of-all-trades and has had his hand in a lot of different really cool things in the entertainment industry that I wasn't really even aware of until I started doing some research. The OG himself, Kevin Gill. Kevin, how the hell are you? What up, though? I am feeling great. Uh, It's wonderful to speak to you today from, uh, by comparison, the warm and bombastic Queens, New York. We were just talking a little bit before we hit record. Uh, uh, it's it's 13 degrees Celsius in Queens, New York. So that's it's a little bit warmer than we are here right now. I've never been to New York City, but it's on the bucket list of places that I want to go. Yeah, it's a great place, man. Highly recommend it. And there's probably always something going on 24-7. You could go see a band or see a show or, or eat a restaurant or go to a bar. There's probably already always something going on. That's what I love about it, man. The bars don't close till 4 a.m. And with that comes, yeah, more restaurants, more events more everything awesome so the first thing that i wanted to ask you about is is uh, uh circle six is, is is a newer company that you've kind of been involved with and they've been coming on the scene kind of hard and doing some really really cool things uh i've noticed they've got uh, minoru suzuki karaoke show coming up yeah, uh, how, yeah. Did, how did you get involved with those guys um i've known the circle six guys the guys behind it for uh, quite a few years we all actually uh, worked together uh, previously in Game Changer Wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I got I got to know and work with them uh, there in various capacities because um, I was very involved with GCW and they were they were too. So um, that's where I first got to know them. And then, yeah, yeah like then uh, just one year ago, they launched Circle Six. And uh, I joined I joined on in, uh, I believe, November uh, of this of 2022 was my first event with them. It was their final event of the year. And like they wanted kind of like that, not cliffhanger ending, but almost just like, a, oh, wow, here's like a new a new twist for our second season, if you will, or our second year of content. And that's where we find ourselves now. Because it was kind of a misnomer, or there was when they first launched that it was actually Atticus Coger's promotion. But it's I know he's heavily involved, but it's not actually his company. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, Atticus is very heavily involved, and I actually don't know if he has... Uh, you know, like a Young Bucks or a Kenny Omega like stake the way they do in AEW. I'm, I'm, I honestly don't know. I haven't asked that question, but I mean, yes, what you said is 100% true. Atticus is very involved. And to me, yeah, just one of the pillars, one of the cornerstones of the company. Uh, shockingly, recently dethroned from his championship perch uh, live on independent wrestling TV. And those replays for Obey Your Master are uh, blowing up on there. So I encourage everyone to see it. It's a great show, and it was very unique in that it was the first time ever that all the different brands or facets of Circle Six ran under one roof at you know the same night, which means you had Circle Six Wrestling, you had Circle Six's Barroom Blitz, which is the barroom fights, and then you had uh, Circle Six's Seven, which is a whole uh, super deathmatch experience. So that that's a really cool way to dive into the scene for anyone uh, listening who also, uh, subscribes to independent wrestling, uh, TV. That is uh, a service that I've talked about on the podcast here many, many times. I'm a huge, huge fan uh, of IWTV and the amount of content you get from them for the price is, is staggering. It really is. Yeah, for sure. And even if you, you know, dive in and dive out or, you know, whatever you have to do to get to see it, I, I recommend people give that, uh, give it a shot. There's obviously a, a shitload of great stuff on IWTV. But and in particular, really, I'm pushing people to Circle Sixes. Obey your master. That is brand new. It's on there. I just checked it out. Actually, myself. I haven't watched the show yet, but I checked the listings, and that is actually or absolutely right up there. Um, it's really difficult, I think, in pro wrestling to kind of come up with something new and different. And I like the really kind of gritty aesthetic that they have with their artwork and their shows. And I, I visited the website today, and I saw that the plans for the big death match uh, fiasco that they're yeah, how going cool on is coming that? up. Uh, what what do you think I'll try to articulate this in a way that makes sense? How difficult do you think it is to a come up with something new and make that happen and build an apparatus like that and make it as as ironic as it sounds, make it safe? Well, I mean, yeah, a multi a multi-layered question. I mean, first to, to think of it is is interesting because so what it wrestling to me has always been driven by and the foundation of it is is like hyper creativity and it's responsive creativity, meaning like 
creativity in response to whatever situations and scenarios and uh, all these various things you can't control that happen to you. How do you create within that to make to make things great? And what happens is so many people the wrestling bubble where they only know what works in their inner circle or in their tiny microcosm of a world and they miss out on like the benefits of doing you know doing traditional business so to speak or mm-hmm. being able to think like in a, a really outside the box way to to bring stuff together and um in in circle six the that look and stuff the look and also the outside the box ideas things like minoru suzuki karaoke party and all that that's all Mike from Circle Six who who came up with that stuff. And it's fucking awesome because one, to come up with it is pretty crazy, but to come up with it in a way that you know how you can deliver it. And they, they had pre- these guys, uh, Mike and JB, had previously done the, uh, what was it, the Second Gear Crew karaoke party in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which was awesome. You know, like a, you know, full music sound PA, like concert sound in a in a nice venue and it was just great so i'm expecting and i've already seen bands play at the venue where uh, circle six is running in la wrestlemania weekend and uh if you don't know please know all the events from circle six the karaoke party everything are streaming live and they are all streaming for fucking free they'll be and where will they be on some obtuse platform that you don't have no hell no on every on everything uh facebook twitter YouTube, whatever, all of them, Twitch, it'll all be there. You're actually reading my mind because I was going to give give you a chance to kind of hype up what you guys go got going on at WrestleMania weekend. There's several different shows at, a, from what I hear, is a really cool venue, um, streaming all live and free. And from what I gather, it's the cheapest ticket if you're actually in LA. It's the cheapest ticket to get out there and see some live wrestling as well. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, every show, every event is six bucks. Like six bucks to get yeah. in. Except there's a there's a, a Circle Six Barroom Blitz show, which is just a regular regular ticket price. But literally every other event the entire time is six bucks, and uh, it's like, as I understand, well, I won't even say that part. But let's just <laughs> what I said stands. I don't, I don't want to speculate on the next part because the next part I was told maybe was I don't know, I don't know if it panned out. But Fair yeah, enough. six bucks. You know what I mean? So. And there is a really limited uh, pass available, uh, a pass that just gets you guaranteed entry to everything uh, and and a bunch of other perks, because that's the thing. Obviously, things are subject to capacity. And with a six dollar ticket, you know, you're going to people are going to be, you know, there'll be times there'll be lines or whatever. But I think all in all, it's going to be a great experience and just get in once you're in, you're in, you know, and you can get that pass. I believe it's circle six dot shop, I believe is the website. Correct me if I'm wrong. I, oh, oh yeah, I think it starts at circle6.co and then yeah, that might be the direct link of the the shopping thing. But yeah, circle6.co will take you to everything and uh, I think it's just going to be a great time and like inexpensive and going all hours of the day and night. So and you know, it's these really the formats of the shows, it's all these one and two hour tightly formatted shows that just go right into the next show, right into like top of the hour new show, you know what I mean? It almost kind of reminds me so of it's that. It's cool that you could stop in. Sorry, go ahead. But I was going to say, yeah, you could just stop in, drop by, come back, you know, go on your way to somewhere else and then come back on your way back. And at a $6 cover, it doesn't really uh, break the bank by any stretch. It almost kind of reminds me of, of the Fight Forever COVID thing that GCW did a, a couple of years ago where there was kind of blocks of, of different styles and different things going on. Yeah, yeah. It's all, it's all blocked out. So, you know... Um, uh, AJ Gray has a show. Zachary Wentz has a show. Atticus and Otis, the Koger brothers, have a show. Um, I know I'm leaving several shows out <laughs> besides Minoru Suzuki's karaoke party. There's Vinny Masaro's wrestling combine where a bunch of people are getting their shot to, you know, see who has the skills to go to the next level. And I, that's a really cool thing. Like, you rarely see something like that giving back. Like, there's a re- the Zach Wentz show is already spotlighting people you know that are on the come up but this is even a a different step to outreach to helping you know help somebody break through you know yeah that's super cool it's a great way to differentiate you guys from the multitude of other things going on that week um this is a pardon me a music podcast as well as a professional wrestling podcast and i have my guests pick out a couple of tracks to play uh during the interview that they're passionate about we're going to go to your uh first 
uh, pick, which is a band called Sick of It All. Us versus Them is the track New York Hardcore, I assume. Tell me about this track and why you picked it. Um, well, I love Sick of It All. Yes, it's New York Hardcore. And uh, there's so many great Sick of It All songs. And I, 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 as you know, I had previously submitted uh, Take the Night Off, which is incredible. But I didn't want Sick of It All to be misrepresented through the intensity of one song. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would go with a um, a song that just exemplifies to me, uh, as someone who comes from the hardcore scene, what life, what business, what all of it is all about is all summed up by this song. You know what I mean? And it's it's just about basically we're all we're all going to the same place. So let's just look out for each other along the way. You know what I mean? But let's also be aware when if you're looking out for everybody, but nobody's looking out for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's like a, a two way street, men, women, all people, all races, one united force of us versus them. And them is whoever is the the enemy or whoever's against us, the people, and we as the regular people of the world certainly have (laughs) major fucking entities Mm -hmm. that aren't in our best interests, you know what I mean, pointed against us. So, hey, us versus them in in all concepts, you know what I mean? Uh, The wrestling underground, like the music underground, it's all the same thing. We're a a small subset of a a subdivision of, of something else, but inside this tiny microcosm of a world, we find... Uh, a magic and we find ourselves and we find everything hope inspiration creativity brotherhood and sisterhood and family and all that shit like so it's an amazing amazing thing when you really break it down that's awesome well said so we're gonna go to that now this is sick of it all this is us versus them on the punk and paul Drivers podcast versus them the first pick from the og kevin gill on the punk and Podivers podcast uh, i wanted to ask you about actually a tweet that came out just today uh you said you're doing some voiceover work for agua tell me about what's going on with that 
Oh yeah, the Underground Wrestling Alliance is a great company out of uh they're out of San Jose, California, but San Francisco just up the road has become their home uh and they run these incredible shows uh I think like monthly at this point now in San Francisco at the uh Emporium SF this awesome arcade bar and uh they they're just a great just super underground, super DIY over 20 years like it as a company but the many, many of those years were in the deep, deep underground. You know what I mean? But um, they, I met them because they had, uh, they had come up with the idea of like, wow, you know, Kevin Gill lives in our area. Do you think he would ever do commentary for us? You know what I mean? Because they had this stigma because they were like too underground. You know what I mean? They were outside. Uh, the cool kids didn't say they were cool. You yeah. know what I mean? Type of thing. So uh, they had hit me up and, uh, I, you know, I was already aware of them anyway, but then they hit me up very professionally and made me a very professional offer. And they also did it to coincide with their first time instead of having uh, matches and shows at house parties and things like that. They were having it at an actual music venue. So that to me made it then perfect. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, yeah, I would do that in a fucking heartbeat. You know what I mean? And they wanted to do over the PA commentary, which I'm also a big fan of. It's an under underutilized and underappreciated uh style and component of entertainment it's not for every product you know what i mean but uh for those rowdy products that have casual fans that have a lot of new fans for each show um it's a great icebreaker and a, a great way to enlighten but ugwa does great things and uh i've i recently re relocated back to new york after a, a many year stint in california so uh, whenever I, whenever the planets line up, I'll return to Ugwa and do more uh, commentary for them. But in the meantime, they uh, they love my voiceovers on their promotional trailers and stuff. They always have commercials for their events, and the venue uses them on all their social media and whatever. So it's a little bit of the old art form of talking the people into the building through a fucking highly energetic uh, form of dialect that uh, conveys excitement and passion. And I think Ugwa's had a few events on IWTV as well. Oh, yeah. They have a bunch on independentwrestling.tv, including a, a new one just dropped, I think, like a week ago. But those shows are wild. And they, and I'll tell you this to anybody listening. Look at any of the Ugwa shows on IWTV. And there's also a lot of them on YouTube uh, for free as well. Um, Underground Wrestling Alliance, UGWA. Their cinematic fidelity, the, the quality and caliber of their... Uh, the whole visual experience is like no other. It's like, it's more closer to like watching a movie with of wrestling. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, it just, it's, it, they really have something uh, magic and not to mention, of course, passionate wrestlers willing to go the extra yard and they have a great guy uh, leading the charge, like running the company. And it's always cool when you see people that are running a company and their head is in running the company. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like not, like power trips that come with running the company or uh, benefits that come with running the company, but actually running the company and raising the bar and raising the attendance and raising the merch sales and building a brand. Like those are all things I'm super passionate about. So, and, and all that stuff is happening at the underground wrestling Alliance, just like at circle six, but you know, got to put everybody over. Uh, you mentioned uh, commentary uh, commentary is what I do. I've been doing commentary here in Western Canada for a couple of different promotions for over a decade um, over the PA commentary is something that's really unique and you don't see it very often. The, the last time that I can remember seeing it was many, many, many years ago, combat zone wrestling sent a few of their guys over to Italy to do some shows with an Italian company. And they had commentary over the PA and I found it really, really kind of odd. Do you think that that can detract or add to a show? Cause I don't know how I would feel as a commentator doing it like that. I, I don't know if it would distract the, the talent in the ring or if, Tell me about more about that. Yeah, well, uh, definitely to everyone, check out the Ugwa stuff because you'll see that's called over the PA and it sounds terrific. You'll see how it can be involved in the matches. But to your point, can it detract? Can it take away? Can it be bad? A hundred percent. If you have someone doing it that doesn't know what they're doing mm -hmm. and if it's not the right show for it. Like if I was having Timothy Thatcher versus Daniel Bryan or whatever, uh, at a Ring of Honor show, I wouldn't want over the PA commentary. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But if I'm having Matthew Justice against Juicy Finau 
in a, a street fight that goes all over the bar and stuff. And there's times where you can't see, and then you could find out what's happening from the commentary and blah, blah, blah. And uh, yes, then, then yes. So I think it can add a lot. Like I've had a lot of experience doing it, but I mean, I love doing traditional commentary as well. I mean, it's just talking to the people at home versus talking to the people in the room and at home. The The upsides of it are getting the, the response you get from the live audience, obviously in person. So, you know, if they really respond to something you said, uh, you know, you know, stuff that they like or a, a vein, so to speak, that you can continue uh, to tap into. And it also sometimes can give the audience the idea of things to chant or ways to get even more interactive and, just to even just when something insane happens to be, to say like, can you believe this fucking shit? Give it up for both of these <laughs> motherfuckers or whatever. And to get the, and I'm, I'm the ring announcer there too, but I just mm-hmm. stay at the commentary table. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, there's, there's an announcer, you know what I mean? So when things need a little, that's a big part of it too, is when something needs to be said, when it doesn't need to be said, when nothing is better than something, and then, of course, what is the perfect something? And I, I think developing the filters of being able to run through ideas in that microcosm of while stuff is happening. And then filter through like, you know what I mean? Ah, redundant. Ah, too much. Oh, OK, this is perfect or whatever, you know? It's really it's really a fine line. And I was going to ask you as like one commentator to another, do you have any kind of best practices or, or, or ways your brain works going into a show about what you want to do or how you want to approach things? I mean, uh, I mean, I'm always, I just always have the same, you know, the same approach going into it, meaning like I just want to be um, just delivering that that voice, that mix of insight and experience with a legitimate enthusiasm and passion that that kind of helps like make the leap almost for for you know everyone has a different ear and what everybody likes so sometimes people who are, are like oh like i'm the most meticulous critic of everything and i don't like 99 percent of everything well then they're probably not going to like me mm-hmm. but i've got to meet so many so many fans and their parents or their wives or husbands or whatever and uh, they'll bring one of them will bring the other, you know, the parents will bring the kid or the vice versa. The wife will bring the husband. And one of them was a lifelong wrestling fan. The other one did not like wrestling at all, would never watch wrestling with them. But then when they were watching shows that I did commentary on, they would suddenly find their wife would be standing in the doorway watching, like would come in halfway through a match and then watch the whole match and then ask questions afterwards or the, the father would come in and be like, I had to see when I heard that guy say this, I had to see what mm-hmm. they were doing. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it's kind of cool being able to to help to like help talk people into understanding and enjoying and appreciating the whole experience. But I mean, best practices to me are it's just having that good flow with your partner, not stepping on each other. You know, some people struggle very much with not just letting the other person finish. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like a lot yeah. of people can't get past the idea of, I have something cool to say, like totally understand it. Like if so do I, and if it's a three person team and they're all good, so do all three people, but it's really best practice to let everyone fucking finish their statement. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I, of course there's an exception to every rule, you know what I mean? But best practices is just to be like awake, alert, hydrated um and to just know whatever information i can get and on the independence information isn't always incredibly forthcoming but uh i'm a i'm trained in improv that's part of my background or whatever so i love i like i prefer not to know anything do you know what i mean when there's these giant surprises that are planned or this crazy thing is going to happen if I have to know, then I have to know, but I'd prefer not to know and just react organically to it and, you know, be the kind of the eyes and mind of, of the audience that's watching. You know what I mean? Where you're just like, what what exactly is happening right now? You know? Yeah, I've had that happen both ways with, with me calling Swords of War. I've had guys say, we're going to do something. Do you want to know or do you not want to know? And, and sometimes I do just because I want to be prepared. But other times, like there was a show uh, for a company that I announced for 
where uh, uh, one of the heels cut the baby face's hair. And I had no idea it was coming. And once the scissors and clippers came out, it was a very genuine reaction for me because I was like, oh, I see what's going on here. And, and sometimes that's a lot of fun. I always kind of approach it to where, where I know this is going to be a good show. This is going to be a good match. And I just want to do my little part to take something that's good and just make it a little bit better. Amen, brother. My uh, core philosophy of mine that you just made me kind of recall that I, I always bring up in interviews is I look at the the wrestling show itself you know the wrestlers everybody involved in the the whole the whole deal they're the everything like they're the giant dinner plate sized donut you know what I mean that's covered in frosting and banana chunks and whatever <laughs> the fuck you want on it but then amongst all the sprinkles and whatever there's this one sprinkle that adds this little extra freshness to the whole array you know what i mean and and that's putting it in scale and perspective and i feel like that's what commentary is you know if you simplify it you could say it's the icing on the cake or it's the sizzle on the steak or you know but we all there's a reason that every time any documentary or any recap or anything is ever shown involving great wrestling moments historic happenings anything they always always have the commentary laced in to those moments and packages to give you that fucking feeling again that 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 feeling that as great as the visual is and as great as the athletes are and the moment and all that it's burned into your brain already but every time you hear jim ross say like we're gonna he's broken in half you're just like you're good lord like it's so it's so ingrained into it because it's such a valuable part. Again, it's not the whole part. It's not the most important part. But there's some people, I think, live in this denial of commentary is meaningless. Anybody can do commentary. It's just talking. Everyone at home can do it better than everyone on TV or on the indies or whatever. And um, I don't know. I beg to differ yeah. in that regard. You know I, what I mean? And absolutely agree 100%. Um, when you first started doing the commentary, like, how do you feel you, you changed and evolved? Because when I go back and I and I watch a show from, from you know, 10, 15 years ago when I first started, I'm fucking awful. And I like to think that I've evolved and I've gotten pretty good at it. Do you find your style and, and, and how you approach things evolved over time? Uh, well, it's interesting. The first time I ever did it, I had, um, it was rather appropriate in that I had no preparation. I had no awareness that I would be doing it. And as the bell rang for the first match, within like 30 seconds of the match starting, it became apparent this was a, a wrestling event held at the e E3 convention, the Electronic Entertainment mm -hmm. Expo, the mm -hmm. huge mega video game convention. And when we were putting out the Backyard Wrestling video game, yeah. I put together this big wrestling tournament to happen over the three days of E3. And... Uh, um. So I'm the ring announcer. I booked all the matches and whatever, and it's like Super Dragon from Pro Wrestling Gorilla mm -hmm. and uh, M Dog, Matt Cross, Madman Pondo, uh, Bobby Quants, a whole bunch of people from from that era, um, and some I'm forgetting, and I apologize. Um, Supreme, rest in peace. But uh, I'm losing the plot here. Oh yeah, so I'm the ring announcer. The match starts. It's an all casual audience of video game press and buyers. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So. They're all watching in silence as like the smug straight edge wrestler comes out, Josh Prohibition, mm -hmm. and uh, and then the babyface gymnast hero M Dog Matt Cross comes out, and I look at the this is at the IDOS booth, and you know it's a giant booth at E3, and I'm in, I'm running this whole wrestling world booth air sub booth within the booth, but I turn to the person who's like running the entire thing. And I'm like, we both say at the same time, it needs commentary, mm -hmm. like this match that's happening right now. And uh, she's like, and I did someone I, I work with normally at IDOS or whatever, and she's watching, you know, I just started working at IDOS a few months prior to this and brought them the idea for the game. But uh, she's watching me ring announce and stuff, and she's like, you can do it, right? I'm like, yeah. Like, I've always used to do commentary when I was in the seats. Mm -hmm. I would commentate for my friends and whatever. And uh, so I was like, yeah, I could do it. And I just started doing commentary over the fucking PA at the L.A. Convention Center to, you know, like hundreds and at times, you know, over over a thousand people and just giving them the who's what, when, where and why and why stuff hurts and why this person's a, an asshole. And, you know, boo this man, you know what I mean? And then but the, but it took a silent crowd to a uh, 
uh, a super interactive crowd because they had someone to help bring them over over the line, so to speak. So that was the first time I ever did it. Now that's that's <laughs> really was... throwing yourself in the deep end with the uh, with that kind of crowd and having them not be wrestling fans. You, you almost kind of had to spoon feed them, but that might be a good way to kind of get your 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 feet wet in doing that. Amen. And just who putting over the people like who are these people? This guy is a jerk. This dude is the man. You know what I mean? And not in that those simplified terms, but and and letting people know, like, you know, not saying to them, like, oh, you can yell at the guys. But you know how it is. Once people start re- realize the way you can interact at wrestling, yeah. it kind of it kind of breaks the barrier. So that was the first time I ever did it. And that was for three days of events. <laughs> so but I worked in the video game industry, so I wasn't like then rushing out to try to get commentary gigs. But I, w- I wanted to do commentary, but I'm super busy at work. So a few years later, I had the opportunity to do commentary for a, a memorial event, for, a memorial event for DJ Riz from the Bay Area, a great independent wrestler who passed away too young. And uh, me and Lars Fredrickson from Rancid mm-hmm. did commentary on it. So that's the second time I ever did commentary, and it's me and Lars. And uh, we, it was all it, it was all uh, shot professionally and put out on a on a DVD. And uh, so that was the second time I ever did it, and it's super pro. And we shot the on camera looks like a million bucks for you know independent wrestling in, in that time and place and uh that i was like the straight man like with the suit jacket on because you know here's lars punk rock icon yeah. with face tattoos and shit for <laughs> way before it was common and me so like i can't be the i'm not in other words i'm now shitting on punk rock i'm shitting on hardcore i'm shitting on tattoos even though that's the opposite of me you know what i mean because what <laughs> if i could do be like yeah brother me amen let's listen to motorhead together <laughs> So we had a great dynamic and um, that DVD got shown to the insane clown posse. And then they were, they instantly hired me to replace violent J from insane clown posse on, on their commentary team. Mm. Cause they had him and Shaggy too dope. And you know, they're platinum and gold recording artists multiple times over. And the idea that they heard, they sat down in their studio and watched the opening segment and the first match. And were like this guy, you know what I mean? That that's like a bit. That was a big honor to me. You know, some of those names that you just threw out there a couple of minutes ago. You know, Bobby Quantz and, and Josh Forbish and, and Matt Cross and Super Dragon. It just put a big smile on my face, taking me back to those days. So thank you for that little blast from the past. Uh, oh, gonna... it was so cool. And can I tell you something too? Like you know, nowadays I don't know if you're aware of this or following it, but there's a lot of talk in the the deathmatch uh, message boards and stuff like that about the different wrestling companies and how they do business and whatever. And there's companies that are uh, separating themselves from the pack by like really taking care, like paying their talent. Well, taking care of them, making sure everyone's like fed and at a proper hotel room and, and all that. And it's funny that it's 2023 and companies are able to pot, you know, positively differentiate themselves and circle six is one of them. Uh, by just doing good business do you know what i mean and so to speak investing in your talent and building that that loyalty and that relationship and it's a flashback to me because when i booked all these wrestlers to wrestle that was my first time booking wrestlers you know but i in other words i have a budget and i'm working with a real world budget like it you know out in the real world and these guys are independent wrestlers they're operating on an independent wrestling budget so, you know, at that time, what was Super Dragon getting for a match in 2003 or whatever? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. 50 bucks, 75 mm-hmm. bucks. Well, I'm just I'm not knocking Super Dragon because he's the fucking best. But just as as an, maybe maybe far less. I don't know. Um, but and I knew I know what I knew at the time what guys were getting paid and stuff like that. So but in other words, I don't come into it then and undercut everybody and be like, oh, what do you you guys normally get 40 bucks? Okay, cool. I'll pay you fifty. Like, no, I was like, uh, the, I forget what number I gave. Everyone had a slightly different rate, but I, I that a rate that I made up for them because their rate was, I didn't allow them to give me their rate. You know what I mean? I yeah. I gave them a rate that you know that was far more than what their rate was. And the funniest thing was when I gave it to I I, I think I had it like on a, a letter or you know like you put it in an envelope and gave it to everybody. Some trying to be like professional. And then it was funny because everybody thought that the number I wrote down was what they would get 
for all their matches across the <laughs> two-day tournament, and they were all fine with it. You know what I mean? So mm. then I had to update them to let them know, like, no, that's incorrect. Like, that's what I'm paying. You're doing a fucking wrestling match. Do you know what I mean? So I don't. I personally don't think it's appropriate to pay you forty dollars to fucking risk your life. And I have a budget. You know what I mean? So it's still even paying you multiple times what you normally get paid. I'm still like the people in the accounting department are like, wait a minute, th- there's something wrong with your budget. Like, what do you mean? Oh, the wrestlers pay is only this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, there's, there's it's cool just to see that. In other words, that I- I've always been on that that mentality. You know what I mean? Of of course, you can't just do it. So you're upside down and underwater and you're bankrupt and broke and can't run shows. Of course, it's a fine line. But like the idea of, you know, playing games with talent and and things like that is like it's cool that there's companies that are just standing up and standing out by being like, we're here to do business. Let's do business and raise the bar. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm proud to be part of that. The talent oftentimes know their worth but a lot of the promoters don't necessarily agree with that and i'm not painting every promoter with the sure. same brush because there's a lot of, of good promoters out there but that's been a, a tale as old as time in the wrestling business indeed man yeah and then you know how it is you're the i always remember uh i believe it was chris daniels said to me once the great chris daniels great guy uh, he had mentioned how you know the irony of the wrestling business is that you're only as good as one particular person usually thinks you are. Mm-hmm. So how you appear to them transcends everything. So unlike in baseball, like if you hit 35 home runs and whatever, whatever, it doesn't matter if the the head coach or the batting coach or whoever the fuck doesn't like you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they think, oh, you're not that great because there's statistics. It's yeah. just like it's a numbers game. But in wrestling, you could be – the guy, and we've all seen it. Someone who's the guy or the person or a vital part of something, and then the company doesn't see them that way, so they, you know, turn down the heat or remove them from the burner completely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like, oh, this person's not meant to get over, or you know, we don't see them as uh, being worth featuring, even though the audience really enjoys them. Do you know what I mean? And there's a lot of of. I don't I don't want to say infighting, but on social media right now, when the in kind of the depth match community between, you know, Game Changer and ICW and Circle Six and XPW, there's a lot of infighting and, and people slinging shit around right now. And I wonder why that is. Well, That's a very I know it's a very broad I, question, and I, I don't know if you know how to answer that. Well, sure. I mean, I get, you know, of all in a way, all sets, all subsets of online fandom. Uh, you know, involve components of that with deathmatch wrestling or, or you know, ind- independent wrestling on a, on the small scale or whatever you want to call it. Everyone in the scene who goes to the show, just like music, everyone who goes to the shows knows each other. And this is their thing, their scene, their click. It's how they have fun and hang out and, and God bless them. So then they want to talk about it online and stuff. Um I haven't seen it uh, to me, man, maybe I'm just missing the elephant in the room. I haven't seen so much fighting online between the, the fans anymore. It's no, more like, I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about promoters and talent. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, so I was going to say, I haven't seen the fans uh, having like beef with each other. Uh, talent. I'm not sure. Like there's definitely obviously different wrestling companies that don't like each other or have vendettas against each other. And, you know, there's always the danger when you do that, that you start losing sight of what is the best for literal business or what is the best for, uh, you know, uh, LOLing at my enemy. Do you mm. know what I mean? Uh, and I think it's, you know, obviously it's important to keep that focus, but I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, you know what I mean? Cause I know, yeah. Uh, re- people running the same areas, but it's also involved because, like, it depends on who you look at, how you look at it, and whose perspective you see it from. Because Fair. you could say that someone started trouble with someone else, and then someone else is like, oh, okay, if you want trouble, then I'll show you trouble, sort of thing. And then if you look at it from the other person's perspective, I'm sure they see it 
or and they them and their people see it a totally different way that oh we were trying to do the right thing here and now we're the bad guy you know you know how it is so i just think anywhere as long as the the companies are run professionally and they they treat the the talent at, you know to a a, a a human grade or a, a you know a, a legitimate standard yeah then good for them do business you know what i mean if companies are not able to do that and it's like uh, an expensive hobby or and there's nothing wrong with an expensive hobby but do you know what i'm saying if it's not absolutely create creating something good or it's become redundant or it's not a positive thing you know what i mean if you could watch things falling apart from the outside then maybe on the inside it's time to say hey maybe we should slow down or pick our lane or yeah. you know say less publicly you know absolutely uh, we're but gonna... I mean, the, be- the best way to not have beef, obviously, is not get involved in other other companies' business. You know what I'm saying? But then you you have people running in the same areas, so I understand that. You know, paths will cross. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're gonna jump into your second track right now. You picked uh, a track called "Start Today" by the Great Gorilla Biscuits. Tell me why you picked this New York hardcore track. Oh man, uh, this song, this record just like the sick of it all one, but this song uh, and record changed my life in so many ways. The Gorilla Biscuits are like this ultra positive force in music, but not in a way that's like, Hey everyone, let's be happy. Um, (laughs) And their sounds like you'll hear compared to sick of it all and compared to other bands of the genre. To me, they had a totally different sound and style and approach and what their songs were about. And uh, this song is about something I struggle with to this day, like procrastination. Do you know what I mean? And it's just an anthem to starting today starting right now making everything you want fucking happen and uh i love it because it's got like a um what's the word for it like woven in uh, so in the context the bigger picture of that anthem is the the woven in sub story of like hey like one day the friends that were always calling you up to do stuff and always wanted to hang out with you are suddenly not going to have any time for you anymore but you always keep living your life. You always keep doing your thing. And you know what I mean? Like someone else may not see you or your presence as valuable anymore, but it doesn't diminish your actual presence or value in any way. So it's kind of like a cool multi or at least dual tiered thing. And I just love it. I love the Gorilla Biscuits. And great thing about the Gorilla Biscuits is uh, they still play live to this day. They crush it. Anywhere they play is sold out. So like get tickets in advance. And it's so interactive with the audience. But what I love is that the entire Gorilla Biscuits discography is like a, a 36 minute album and a seven inch. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not like, yo, we're going to go back into the fucking, you know, our <laughs> metal period. You just get all these fucking classics and they're so powerful and about, such important topics like each song is about like a really important topic so uh this one is about starting today right on this is gorilla biscuits this is start today on the punk and father ever's podcast yesterday you were on my back just to get my time i guess it's not as much as it seems because i found the time for hanging out talking on the phone what should i expect now my time is
on today, the Gorilla Biscuits. That is the second pick from Kevin Gill on the Punk and Potterverse podcast. I just have a couple of quick things. that I will have so many other things I wanted to talk to you about, but I don't want to keep you too long because I know you're a busy man. Uh, you're a big proponent of PMA. That is something that I have struggled with pretty much my whole life. I make no bones about the fact that I, I you know, suffer from some mental health issues. How, how do you keep that PMA? And what advice would you give to somebody like me who maybe kind of struggles with staying positive and trying to keep the mind focused on the right track? Man, it, it's definitely hard. You know what I mean? Like uh, when I first heard of the, heard of PMA and like heard of the concept, you know, I heard of it from like the Bad Brains and H2O and, and Leeway and bands like that. And they all heard it from in some shape or form from Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill wrote a great book that's very inexpensive called Think and Grow Rich. And I've heard uh, of that, yeah. I, definitely worth a read just to get your head around the philosophy. But it's, it's just something like, you know, just, the i don't know the best way to explain it but it's like of course the easiest thing in the world not the easiest thing in the world but meaning we're all subject to just being eaten alive by negativity at all times and that's just our own self-criticisms that's before you get out to the outside world who maybe you know maybe thinks also like oh look at this jerk this guy sucks he's an asshole she's a bitch whatever whatever if you're on social media there's probably some people saying bad stuff about you somewhere um, then you live in a world where all this terrible shit is constantly happening. So how do you find your like your your little space, so to speak? How can you find a way to look on the bright side to mm -hmm. celebrate the the little things and just keep uh, keep a, a positive outlook? You know what I mean? Of course, um, people will always come at me and be like, because if you say like, oh man, like they gave away my rental car and my flight's canceled, like this sucks, and they'll be like, oh yeah, nice PMA, bro. <laughs> where it's like you know uh having a positive mind doesn't mean like if you serve me a shit sandwich i'm gonna sit and eat it and be like man this shit tastes delicious you know um there's always a reality that comes with it but i it I, it's just if you just think about it and for me some of these songs like these songs that i i i love and listen to that give me like life and energy that have those concepts woven into them uh to me that's almost like a way of keeping it in my in my system, you know what I mean? And just all you can really do ever is, and I, I was touched on it earlier when I was talking about in wrestling, you have to have this hyper creativity where not just the creativity in advance, but the creativity in the moment of all the variables of, you know, this didn't happen and this is now has to change order and this person's not here and how you have to manage all these things on the fly. Uh, it's the same way with this. Like if you're able to just kind of, shut down and minimize some of those negative windows and outlets. And uh, even just unnecessary complaining is a great, uh, a great thing to get rid of. Sometimes you'll get in a car with somebody and all they want to do for 45 minutes is talk about how terrible their fucking Big Mac was, but you know, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Right. Like all, all, all things in their place, but um, just being able to look towards a, a positive outcome or to find the, the best in whatever situations I, for me um, having things to look forward to really helps whether it's just having a date on the calendar, whether it's like, yo, this my favorite band is playing or we're going to go check out this restaurant or it could be the littlest thing. Like, man, this, when I get home, I'm going to make the sandwich and that spicy mustard is going to be so fucking dope. And I'm going to put on this podcast or this record, or I'm going to read this while I eat the sandwich. And it's going to be fucking fabulous. Like, Put on your favorite record, go for a walk, clear your mind. And a lot of times people are surrounded by negative people and they don't even know it until you try to, you know, try to go a, a day or a half, try to go half a day without saying anything negative about anything. You know what I mean? I know it's the opposite of wrestling social media where yeah, everyone sure. has to make it clear. Like I have a personal hatred and obsession with X, Y, Z, but again, who, who gives a fuck? Like, I don't, you know, I, so I love uh, heavy music. I love thrash metal and hardcore and hip hop and all these genres. So like, I think Megadeth fucking sucks, right? I don't like them <laughs> at all. They suck to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But that has no bearing. They sell, they sell tons of records. They sell tons of tickets. Uh, Dave Mustaine is very successful. So what does my opinion mean? And then, how should uh, have no bearing on a fan of Megadeth what you think I, I, about it. At least like once a year, I, I just, I'll, yeah. And I admit like 
I try to limit myself to literally once a year. I'll make um, a remark about Dave Mustaine on social media <laughs> because he's a shithead. Just because, be, yeah, because he's a shithead, <laughs> and I don't like them. Uh, me personally, do you know what I mean? But yeah, and it's funny though. Every time I do, then I'll always see like I'll uh, someone will hit me up and be like, "Oh yeah, like uh, Megadeth just hired me for this project or whatever, and it, it like pays really well." And then I'm like, "Ah." Man, you know what I mean. Now it's like ah, <laughs> uh, now I feel like now I feel bad yeah, for even for sure. even though I'm just saying like, hey, bro, stop complaining all the time. But then whatever. So once a year, I get to do a Megadeth post, and uh, I like to treat myself to the occasional, uh, you know, Metallica broke up in 1989 or 1991 at the conclusion of the uh, Damage Justice tour, and you know, thankfully they never went on to just kind of become a parody of heavy metal or thrash metal or anything like that it was just you know they had their big run finished it off with uh <laughs> with the justice for all and everything was good for everybody well, i'm looking forward to your megadeth tweet i'm gonna i'm gonna keep a special eye out for that um <laughs> there's a couple more things i really wanted to to ask you super super quick one of them is just personally i'm curious and if this is a road that you don't want to go down feel free to just shut me down but what happened with your departure from gcw uh i can't speak about it at this moment but and that's fine. I hope. I hope in the near future that I will be. Uh, I will be able to speak from a a, de- a, a definitive uh, position. Fair enough. Or outs or status. Absolutely. And I just wanted to end by telling you a quick story. Our paths have actually crossed once, many, many, many years ago, uh, twenty seventeen in Calgary, Alberta. ICP were doing the Canadian Gathering. Yes. And uh, I was uh, there with some of the talent from the wrestling company I was working for at the time. Uh, we were doing the the afternoon wrestling show because we had a show of our own in Calgary that night. And so we did our matches and then we went and did our show and then we came back after uh, so that the guys could get paid. And we ended up getting to hang out for a while and we got to watch ICP set and it was kind of a cool night. Do you have any memories of that weekend? And, and kind of, you were running around like a chicken with your head cut off and we had gotten back after our show. <laughs> uh, what's it like to try to make heads or tails of, of an event like that? And, and is is it exhilarating to kind of run around like that and get things done? Do you have any memories of, do you have any memories of that weekend? Oh yeah, man. That, uh, that Canadian weekend was, was incredible. Uh, ice T was, ice T was there mm-hmm. and ice T performed mad child performed Kung Fu vampire. Uh, like you said, ICP Canadian hip hop legend, mad child. Yes. Canadian hip hop legend, Juno award winner, the mastermind behind the lawnmower man. Record, Actually, the, arguably. Junos, the Junos were just here in Edmonton on Monday night. Now that you mentioned it. Nice. Uh, hopefully they still acknowledge swollen members and mad child in some way. Good shit. That's good shit. <laughs> but I, I have a lot of great. That was just uh, that that whole weekend was crazy. I thought all the shows were super high caliber, like awesome performances. From everybody uh, running those wrestling events was fun. It's hard because it's like I'm a one man uh, or at least under those under their auspices, you know, and the way they do things like I'm a one man operation so like any single thing that has to be done i have to do it or figure out a way to do it uh usually after being told that someone else had already done it you know (laughs) what i mean but overall yeah the whole thing was great i mean it was super hectic like i had a you know i I have i booked everyone's travel i would book the wrestlers travel uh their hotels i would do all that stuff because i wanted it to be done correctly and for you know what i mean because i'd much rather book you a hotel fucking six weeks in advance for a fraction of the cost of trying to find it in, in the middle of the night in Calgary. But yeah. um yeah, just overall the overall thing was great. I, oh yeah, I remember Giselle Shaw wrestled, who's mm-hmm. now a big star in Impact Wrestling. Yep. She uh, uh, she, she wrestled for for our company. Giselle's great. And uh, yeah, overall that whole experience was great. Um <laughs> funny story was I ended up having to pay all of the wrestlers out of my pocket and then i got reimbursed like two weeks later or yeah, something I, I remember yeah because you because the the guys were asked because i i was doing commentary for our company and i ended up bringing my laptop with all the music for our guys so i i played the music for the guys and i remember yeah we we went to do our event then we came back and you had come uh, you came to talk to the guys and the left and then came and talked to the guys and finally you were just like i need to take your email addresses and we're going to e-transfer you guys and so you can get out of here, but me, I remember like you, me personally is going to be transferred. Yeah, yes. because I was put in a position where 
I was told that I had this budget to pay <laughs> these people and that money would be available to me at these times. It was all agreed to weeks and weeks in advance, checked up on, including the week of the event. You know what I mean? And then it's some hocus pocus of no pun intended. No, yeah. Of <laughs> And there, so basically there's not going to be any money to pay these wrestlers. And again, this is now the opposite of what I talked about before, where, hey, if, you know, these people normally pay a wrestler $40, you know, try paying them 60 or whatever at the at the bare minimum. In this case, I know that how wrestlers are, and I know that at least several of those wrestlers probably made that drive out there without even the gas money to fucking get home. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it wouldn't it wouldn't be fucking right to do that. You know what I mean? And th- that wasn't the only time I had to do that, but that was um, that was like a very involved uh, thing. And then I, I got paid back in slices or whatever. But <laughs> that was the because at the end of the day, it was my word. I'm the one who called these people up, got them to agree to it. I'm the one who told them at the end of the day, this will be what you get. And you know, this is your gas and this is your whatever. This is your hotel shit. Um, so if I had to extend myself, so that wasn't obviously super pleasant, but the overall, um, events I thought were great, especially considering what, what I had to work with on my side of it, the music side of it was stacked. Yeah. We got to hang out and watch ICP set, which was an experience unto its own. It was a lot of fun. And and I'm glad that I got to be there to see that. That was dope. And shout out to, uh, Sir Samurai and Chicano Flame who drove, from San Francisco, California to Calgary, Alberta, uh, wow. in order to wrestle at that event. And they weren't alone in the car. And I apologize, I'm spacing. But to me, they were the captains of the car. And they, uh, they, yeah, that, that, that to me, you know, there's a million people that I meet that are always like, oh man, I'd do anything to be able to do whatever. And Sir Samurai is always one of those guys that when he said it, I believed it. Yeah. So he had said something to me once about like, man, I'd, I'd basically do anything to do whatever. And I'm like, okay. So then when I'm like, oh, man, I have like no budget. I need fuck. I mean, I had some budget, but it wasn't, you know, glamorous. And being able to put together that car with Sir Samurai, it was, you know, it was fucking awesome. So and and he was true to his word, ready to get in a fucking car and drive. I mean, Google that shit. That shit is no. I've, I've done that drive from here to from here to California. It's definitely no joke. Damn. How was it? How many hours? I don't remember, but uh, it, it was a, a couple of days. I've actually driven from here, uh, Western Canada, to Florida a, a couple oh. of times as well because we we like long road trips. And it took, I believe, it was four days to get from here to Florida. Wow! So it's no joke, but it's a lot of fun. You get to see a lot of cool shit that you wouldn't see by flying. Oh yeah, and you get to listen to a lot of cool music and podcasts. Absolutely. Um, before I let you go, uh, just hit us up with where people can find you on the old social medias and anything else that you want to plug before I let you go. Yeah, my friend. Well, thank you again for reaching out to me. Uh, like I said, uh, I was telling you off the air, uh, I always see you tweeting stuff that's not annoying or hateful or hurtful. So that puts you on my radar in a good way. Then uh, I saw my good buddy, Stephen Bradley, a.k.a. Oakland Rover, the infamous wokester Oakland Rover, enemy, scourge of Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, <laughs> I heard he was on here the other day, and then I was like, oh, man. And then you hit me up. So I was like, all right perfect <laughs> but uh as far as what where you can find me i'm on social media at og kevin gill uh and that's on twitter and instagram and on facebook i'm just kevin gill i have a kg kevin gill like page but i don't really use it that much my regular facebook just kevin gill and you can catch me everywhere circle six uh is going including the huge weekend in la wrestlemania weekend that we talked about if you can't be there stream it live for free um, I'll be there doing a bunch of ring announcing. I'll be there doing a bunch of commentary. I hope, I hope that I get to at least sing either um, <laughs> Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi or Pepper by the Butthole Surfers under the watchful eye of Minoru Suzuki during Minoru Suzuki's uh, VIP, well, not VIP, but uh, karaoke that's fucking, party. That's worth six bucks. But uh, I, I, you know, I defer, obviously. I don't know who the fuck. I already saw Missy Hyatt is planning to show up and sing something. And I imagine there's going to be a who's who of uh, of wrestlers and everyone else who's going to want to be there. So I defer to them. But if there's a slot for your boy KG, I'll be there. Uh, check out circle6.co for information on where they're going. Uh, over here in uh, New York, I get to work with my friends at Outlaw Pro Wrestling. Or, yeah, I get to work with my friends at Outlaw Wrestling here in Queens and Brooklyn. Their Twitter name is Outlaw Pro Wrestling, but their brand name is Outlaw Wrestling. 
Uh, and they actually had Vinny Stigma from Agnostic Front make his oh. uh, wrestling debut as Homicide's manager. Awesome. Uh, for a big match with Crowbar the other week. And um, what was it? Uh, what's that really big music magazine from back in the day that, that just came back? And it's uh, it's like a, a physical magazine again. Is it Cream? Kerrang? Or Cream? No, Cream was like I... a teen, teen beat, tiger beat kind of thing. I remember there was there was circus, there was hit parader, there was Kerrang. I don't know if I'm dating there myself was like here, a, but a high, like more like a Rolling Stone oh. uh, esque. Maybe spin? it was I spin. No, it's like slightly more arty. Whatever it's called, I can't remember. But they they sent out a writer and a photographer to document Vinny uh, Vinny's journey uh, into wrestling, and it was awesome. And the video of that should be out soon, and that magazine should be out soon. But Whatever. If you just Google Vinny Stigma Outlaw Wrestling, you'll find more. Shout out to my friends at Ugwa. Shout out to, oh, Pandemonium Pro Wrestling also in L.A. on WrestleMania weekend. On Wednesday. I mean, that's part of the weekend if you really look. If you look at it from a positive perspective. I, I, uh, not to cut you off, but every year I take a week of holidays from the shoot job and I just park my ass on the couch and I watch it all. It's my favorite week that's of the whole year. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Fun factoid, I know we didn't get to talk too much about video games or whatever. I had it on my list, but I didn't want to keep you too long. <laughs> when I started at uh, at Rockstar Games, like I started in the, the fall or like Thanksgiving time. And I saw like it was like, you know, everyone just worked like, you know, insanely there, you know. So as the, the months ticked by and we started getting closer to WrestleMania season, like they'd all be, they're all British and they'd be talking about like, oh, when the World Cup is on, this and mm -hmm. that. And oh, and no, oh, it's not like when this team is playing. And I'm like, well, just so you know, when WrestleMania is on, that's comparable to like 10 of your fucking World Bowls or whatever the fuck you guys watch. <laughs> it really like, is. Like that was the first time I had, I had like put it, I had called my spot of like, like don't even call me on fucking WrestleMania day. I'm just like drunk and snacking heavily. <laughs> And enjoying the spectacle, and that's awesome. You get to extend it to a whole week. But I just wanted to mention that funny tidbit because it it just popped into my mind. Right on. Well, thank you so much for taking some time to hang out with me. Uh, this was super, super as awesome as I was hoping it would be. Oh, and one more thing, I totally forgot to mention. Uh, from my New York hardcore roots, I've reissued several uh classics, uh, digitally and on vinyl and CD and whatever. And there's a few more in the pipe to come. But uh, right now, vinyl's all sold out but check out district nine south bronx memoirs on all streaming platforms and also check out uh six and violence bastards of the universe that i actually have on cd uh that is a double cd with like a 74 page book um the greatest quote i can assign is scott ian from anthrax and sod who said even in the future six and violence will be ahead of their time and that's a cd you can buy from me directly at dignifiedbastard.com also, Vision of Disorder, their groundbreaking metalcore crossover hardcore classic. Still, the 12-inch edition is also available on all streaming platforms. Super sold the fuck out on vinyl, but I think I may make some more vinyl. And uh, some upcoming shit was shut down and yada, yada, yada. So support your boy, KG. Check out DignifiedBastard.com and uh, support those bands I mentioned, please. And Strive, go see Sick of It All. Striving, striving for togetherness, right? Yeah, Striving for Togetherness was the original record label. Uh, we put out 19 official releases, um, and that was when, when Rockstar got their hooks into me, and I was very <laughs> happy to have my hooks. You know, being an independent record label person is like being an independent wrestling promoter. You know, you would build people up for them to go be bigger somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? And then you're like, oh, and then you do it again and again and again and again, and it's like, holy fuck. So it was nice to get um, to get a break. I'll always appreciate that Rockstar uh, saw something in me, you know what I mean, and wanted to take me from the hardcore music scene and putting out records and marketing them and uh, executive producing them and all that uh, to bring me into the video game world. So yeah, without that, there'd be no backyard wrestling, and then uh, whatever, uh, what other other ramifications there might be, who knows? We might not even be here right now. If there right. Was no I might not even wrestling. be here. <laughs> the whole world, like the just the whole world might have ended already. Who That's knows? Right. Well, it's a good thing you were there when you were. Indeed. Well, thanks again for the time. Uh, we're going to go out to uh, a new track from Scowl, the band Scowl. The track oh, is yeah. called Opening Night. 
Uh, I hope you guys dig that. And I'm not sure what I got going on next week, but I'm sure I'll dig up something. Thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys all next week. (laughs) 